Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 900, 100, 100. Chapter 137. Questions. While the mayor of Levenshire seemed to approve of how I'd handled the false troopers, I knew matters weren't as simple as that. According to the Iron Law, I was guilty of at least three egregious crimes, any one of which would be enough to see me hang. Fortunately, everyone in Levenshire knew my name and description, and I worried the story might run ahead of me on the road. If that happened, I could easily come to a town where the local constables would do their duty and lock me up until a traveling magistrate arrived to judge my case. So, I made my best speed towards Severin. I put in two days of hard walking, then paid for a seat on a coach heading south. Rumor travels fast, but you can keep ahead of it if you're willing to ride hard and lose a little sleep. After three days of bone-jarring ride, I arrived in Severin. The coach entered the city by the eastern gate for the first time I saw the gibbet Brayden had told me about. The sight of the bleached bones in the iron cage did not ease my anxieties. The mayor had put a man in there for simple banditry. What might he do to someone who had slaughtered nine traveling players on the road? I was sorely tempted to head straight to the Four Tapers where I hoped to find Denna, despite what the cafe had said. But I was covered in several days of grime and sweat. I needed a bath and a brush before I spoke with anyone. As soon as I was inside the mayor's estate, I sent a ring and note to Stapes, knowing it would be the quickest way to get in touch with the mayor for a private conversation. I made it back to my room with little delay, though it meant brushing roughly past a few courtiers in the hall. I had just set down my travel sack and sent runners for hot water when Stapes appeared in the doorway. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Joanna. I'm Nick. Jeremy's back from exciting birthday thing. That's right. So this is one of those chapter beginnings where we are kind of zooming in. It's like a, it's like a, an establishing shot where we slowly focus in on exactly where Cloth is and what he's doing while he catches us up on where he's been and how he got where he is. And this allows Rothfuss to breeze over a couple of things in the narrative that are problems that he doesn't really want to have to deal with and that aren't actually going to be that interesting for the reader, right? He doesn't want to say, oh, he had to like talk his way past some guards and everyone's forgotten who he is and he, you know, he has to like give the right password and blah, 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 blah. No, just like get to the important thing, which is he's going to talk to Stapes and then meet with the mayor. It doesn't matter exactly how he got in there. We know that he could. Yeah, but there's, you know, there's some reasons that are presented for why he speeds back there. Uh, Mm -hmm. His level of anxiety is interesting to me. Makes me think that he isn't, despite what we've seen in previous chapters, like over it. He hasn't totally, maybe he's forgiven himself. Maybe he feels better about it, but he still is a little nervous about what the law will do. Interesting, actually, to think that, like, as far as he's concerned, justice is done, but he's still concerned about the law and how it's going to be applied. I Mm -hmm. wonder if that's uh, an important distinction that this book or the third book will make. Yeah, and like, I think that that does kind of, as you often like to say, hang a lampshade on a question that the reader might be wondering, which is, yeah, like, the town let him go, but, you know, what about everyone else who wants to enforce the law? You know, he did, he is a multiple homicide now. So I think that Rothfuss wants to put that on the page so that we are not wondering about it. And it also lets him, uh, you know, it's been several hundred pages since we last saw the mayor. So I think it also allows Rothfuss to foreshadow his return by reminding us that he has a real ruthless streak 
when it comes to enforcing the law. Reasonable. Yes, we need to be reminded of who the you know of what the mayor is and what Kvothe thinks of him. Um, and it's interesting also, like keep in mind the amount of anxiety he has around the mayor uh, when he does what he does next regarding the mayor. Uh, we'll talk about it in about two days time. And to me, it's a strange blunder. It's a strange bit of like incorrect prioritizing. Um, but I suppose that like the anxiety that's mounting on this page is, is the required, um, you know, the, the pre-work is what's percolating around in his head when he makes the decision he does. I feel like you guys are really covering it. Oh, you, you gotta, you gotta elbow in there and cover it before we get to it. I will work on snatching ideas tomorrow. Does it ring true to you folks? The idea that rumor will travel faster than he does? Yes. I feel like that's a very plausible in fantasy thing. Like that, I, I don't want to say it's a trope because I feel like that's, I'm not using that word correctly, but I do think it is a thing that occurs frequently enough in fantasy that it makes sense. I like, it feels real enough. It makes sense to me that if he was just taking his sweet time, you know, leisurely strolling down the road, you know, through the next few towns, it does make sense to me that eventually, you know, Someone on horseback is going to pass through Levenshire and find what happened. And, you know, like it, it doesn't, it rings true to me. Yeah, because he's on foot too. So, yeah. And like he makes a point of saying, in order to outrun rumor, I had to work pretty hard and like walk fast and then ca- hire a coach, which I think normally Quoth would not do, right? He'd rather save the money. But he does have that big piece of gold with him. I, I think what's even more important to him. Well, I mean, I, I think that he has better uses for that money than hiring a coach normally. I think what's most important to him is getting back to Severin. Even if he's worried about being arrested on the road, I think he is more worried about making sure that he gets back to Severin in time to get his version of events to the mayor, right? Yeah, I guess the worst case, you know, it would be worse if, you know, the mayor is like, where is Quoth with my money? And then he hears that he's been like killing troopers on the road. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Rumors that like a redheaded lad has been fluttering people, saying he's on business from the mayor. You know that. Yeah, <laughs> that and, look good. and the mayor also has kind of been known in the past to he's ready to believe the worst of Quoth, and he's ready to like believe you know the the nearest thing he hears. Uh, so I think Quoth wants to be the first one to get his his word in. Yes, it's re- it's reasonable enough to believe that the mayor would just believe the first thing that is is presented to him anything else on the page we have a letter today bring it to us mailbag this is from mike the rogue who writes likely my last letter which makes me very sad uh 884 don't you think gran is a clear nod to granny weatherwax from way back when quoth was in the inn where he had a bowl of molasses pudding you said it sounded like hearty basic fare i think that's wrong Molasses pudding would be a luxury if you think of how many moles you need to make a bowl of it. But I'm dumb. That's silly. <laughs> That's I, a good I, joke. That's a good joke, Mike. <laughs> Jordana, did you? I do. I do agree joke? that molasses pudding would be. A luxury, though, because molasses is sweet and probably, like, it's the sort of thing that you don't want to 
like just give away willy nilly. Yeah, have you tried to catch even a, a single mole, let alone enough to make a whole bowl of oh, molasses pudding? Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> As for the the beginning, I you know I'm surprised I didn't make this connection because I you know I am an avowed fan of Discworld, and I think Granny Weatherwax is probably the best character, the best protagonist character in a wide. Uh, a wide array of strong protagonist characters. So I'm surprised I didn't uh, notice this. I feel like Gran in this story is a bit more ruthless than Granny Weatherwax. Certainly she's like pragmatic and uh, efficient. I don't recall her ever saying anything like some folk just need killing, but you know, maybe she'd say that. Um, It's been a while. I should reread it, but I don't see this as like a cameo. Maybe it's being a nod to her certainly, or like a little bit of a, a hat tip. The same, certainly, certainly she's the same kind of character. Which um, books is Granny Weatherwax in? She is uh, from the Discworld series. Uh, yeah, that's. Um, she she is the... the the center of the witches. So there's, you know, Discworld has that's a bunch same, of. That's the same series as um, Small Gods, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And and Discworld, for those who don't know, um, has a bunch of standalone stories, uh, but also they have several. Uh, through lines uh, and recurring characters. Uh, there's, you know, the the City Watch. Uh, there's a series of books about the City Watch. There's a series of books about uh, the fellow who is responsible for infrastructure, like uh, railroads and uh, the post office. There's a recurring series of uh, about monks who who manage the the time uh, stream. By the way, decades before Marvel did any of that shit with the time variance authority. The time monks were, were managing uh, the, the time in Discworld. But uh, probably, to my mind, the best and most consistently good uh, of the series, or of the protagonists, and a great place to start are the witches. And Granny Weatherwax is sort of the central figure of, uh, of the witch characters, as well as she eventually turns into like a mentor figure for a new generation of, of uh, witch characters. And she's... Very similar, now that Mike has pointed out, to the character of Gran. So if you like the character of Gran in this book and you kind of want to read a series of books about her uh, going on adventures and, uh, you know, snark-talking demons and and vampires and the like, uh, you could do worse than picking up, I would say, start with uh, Weird Sisters, I think, is the one to start with. The first witch's book, I would say, which I think is Equal Rights, is not as good. The early Discworld books, to my mind, he's still kind of, he's very much a journeyman author. They're very reminiscent of Douglas Adams uh, in a negative way, but he very much finds his voice. And the first witch's book that I think certainly feels like a witch's book is uh, Weird Sisters. Cool. And on that tangent, back to the letter. I think we've covered the letter. We've addressed the hilarious joke and we've addressed Granny Weatherwax. And uh, we'll address you, the listener, on tomorrow's page. Of and thank you for writing, Mike. Uh, if this is indeed your last letter, it, it's been a pleasure. I it hope better not be. Again. The wind. <laughs> the wind. <laughs>